Let's take a moment to think about the difference between wisdom and biblical wisdom. We don't really talk about this in our culture, and if, uh, if you pay attention to the things you've been listening to, the conversations you've been having for the past couple of weeks, you've probably heard somebody say, ooh, that person is brilliant. You've heard somebody say, oh, that leader is so talented or so smart. But we don't hear that a lot said about people like that they're wise. That person is so wise. It's, it's not something, and I'm thinking, it's not something we think about a lot in our culture, and maybe it's not something that we value. I came across this article of uh, early on in Shaquille O'Neal's career. He's a basketball player. I followed him when he was with the Orlando Magic and then the LA Lakers uh, very closely. And when he was young, uh, the older guys, uh, you know, old, in their 30s, Michael Jordan, Patrick Ewing, uh, Magic Johnson, even in Shaq's youth, he said, man, if you put me and the other young all-stars against the older all-stars, even though we can jump higher, we can run faster, uh, we, we have quicker reaction times, those old guys would mop the floor with us because... They see things we don't. That's the part of the article that jumped out at me. They see things that we don't. They can know what we're doing before we even do it because there's wisdom there. They've played a lot. They've put in the work. They've endured, and they, they see the whole court all at the same time. I think of music. Like all of us have the same notes available to us. Some of us can sing better than others, some of us can play, but when it comes to composing music, songwriters, making a melody, they all have the same tones available to them, but a true genius musical composer can think and see the connection between two notes and create a harmony or uh, see the way notes go together to create a beautiful melody and it doesn't even have to be complicated often some of the most genius music is is this really simple melody and we're going somewhere because we're talking about biblical wisdom here today in James chapter 3. We've been going through the the letter of James just verse by verse here for the past couple of weeks and biblical wisdom sees connections other people don't because wise people have been through the fire wise people have put their faith into practice wise people trust uh, that god is real they trust in what god says even even more than than their senses even more than what they see with their natural eyes and there's a wisdom that 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 comes with that and James has just been talking about who should and who shouldn't be a leader. And he's continuing on. And, and this portion of scripture that we're going to look at today, he's going to talk about who should be a leader in the church. Uh, he says in James chapter 3, uh, starting in verse 13, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Everyone, I mean, everyone these days, it seems like, is giving advice, 
you know, whether it's Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, if you want advice, I mean, you can just, you, you can throw a rock in any direction and hit somebody who's like, oh, I know what you should do. I, I'll give you advice on what to eat. I'll give you advice on how to parent. I'll give you advice on, on, on money or whatever it is. Everyone's filled with advice these days. And James is saying like, we should be really slow to like give advice, especially when people aren't asking. Um, and if we're like aspiring to be that sage, like, hey, wait a minute. That's when we, that's where a little caution light should come up and say like, all right, if I'm giving more than I'm receiving, like I just need to, to wait. And James uses this word, this good life is like the litmus test of who should be a leader. This good life is better translated into their way of life. Examining, if we're listening to someone or we're seeking advice, from someone, their life should match up to the words that they're saying. And today in our, in our microwave culture, um, we have so many and so many examples of leaders, whether it's in the church or out, where, where their genius, their talent, their, their expertise has propelled them to a place where their character can't sustain them. News headlines are filled with, and it's heartbreaking to see leaders uh, where the, that don't have integrity. And uh, it's, it's accelerating. This has always uh, been a factor, but it's even more of a factor now. And we don't value uh, the, the journey as much. In our own lives, we want to get somewhere. We want to be further along. We, wanna, we want to, to have that skill. And, and when, when it comes to the hard stuff, we're like, oh, this is hard. Like, but actually, James is saying this way of life is what gives us credibility. This way of life. Don't discount perseverance. Don't discount character. Don't discount integrity. The way of Jesus. Jesus says, follow me. Like, this is the invitation to us. Like, um, to, to, to follow in the ways of Jesus. There is wisdom in that, and it doesn't make sense to the world around us because Jesus' kingdom is upside down. And one of the things that doesn't make sense to the world in this way of life that, that true leaders need to have, humility is at the core of it. It's at the core of following Jesus. It's at the core, at the beginning of wisdom is when we realize, I need something bigger than me and my skills and my talent and my smarts to get through this life. I need an anchor because if it's just up to my abilities, I'm going to be tossed all over the place. That's the beginning. Humility saying, Jesus, I don't know what's best for my life. I'm going to trust that your ways of living are the best way of life. Humility is also at the core of this letter. Some scholars say that James is just a, a mishmash of, of random proverbs just kind of strung together. But if we go back out to the, the 50,000 foot level, like humility binds this together. Every single chapter, James is saying it's about being humble. You want to follow Jesus? Be humble. You want to get through tough times? Be humble. You, yes, you know, back then the Roman culture, the pagan culture was immoral. It was, it was uh, uh, hedonistic, but 
the, the path through this. God is calling us to be humble. Yes, speak the truth. Yes, uh, speak truth to power, but, but be humble. Humility is at the core of wisdom. And James continues in, in verse 14. He says, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Think about those terms, bitter envy and selfish ambition. So uh, one of the frustrating things for us in 2021 is reading this letter that was written on purpose to these congregations spread out around the Roman world is it's like listening to one side of a telephone conversation. And so uh, what we do know is that, that, that churches, even though it was really early on, there were already factions developing. And, and uh, that what, uh, one of the words here um, is, is used, another translation for it, uh, for factions, is party spirit. We see this word used in Acts. We see it in other New Testament letters, in Philippians. And it's used actually in, in Greek literature. Aristotle wrote it, uh, used this word a lot to describe the political climate in ancient Greece. That these people would have this, this us against them mentality, polarization. I'm so glad we're so far away from this. We've, we've evolved so much. Okay. Like we're, we find ourselves here and in, in swimming in... in um, in this attitude of a party spirit. And James is, is alluding to this when he's talking about bitter envy and selfish ambition. And uh, just as followers of Jesus, put leadership aside and church leadership for a second. This is just a following Jesus. If we have bitter envy in our hearts or selfish ambition, we need to, we need to watch out and, and reevaluate and reorient where we're going. And because and those things, bitter envy, like I wish that I had what they have. I, I, that person, I, it's like jealousy, selfish ambition. Like I could do a better job than they could. Like those attitudes, you may be right. <laughs> you may be better at, at, at something, but those things fester. Those things, it's like an infection and left untreated, they, they grow into this this nasty party spirit that 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 is for or against things that are not central to our faith and we split we relationships are ruined over these types of attitudes bitter envy that's allowed to fester selfish ambition that has no place in the life of a believer and James is saying let's make sure that we keep the main thing the main thing cuz because those things aren't wisdom that come from heaven. Like that's actually demonic. Like that's spiritual warfare and keeping our hearts clear of that. So when we sense them, we say, okay, okay, hold on a second. Jesus, anchor me, anchor me into your way of life. What are you saying? What are you saying to me right now? How can I radically follow you in this situation? One of the uh, commentators that I love, N.T. Wright, uh, comments on this uh, on this verse allowing a jealous spirit to spill out into fault finding and backbinding is not only not making peace it's allowing the buildup of a climate of fear 
anger and suspicion in which wars and fightings can all too easily occur. So biblical wisdom, and we need biblical wisdom uh, in our personal lives, and we need to model this uh, for our friends. But if we don't like start seeking this for ourselves, we ourselves, we're gonna drive ourselves crazy. Um, wisdom that comes from heaven is not memorizing facts. It's not negotiation skills. It's not managing, leading, or academic scholarship. All of those things are great, but it's not necessarily biblical wisdom. Biblical, God's wisdom is so much deeper than that. And James goes on to describe it, uh, starting in verse 16. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So let's take those. So this is the, the qualities that James is listing of, of a good leader. And, and that's what we should expect of good leaders. But that's what what God wants to do in us. This is like James' list of the fruits of the Spirit. This is what happens when you are walking in step with Jesus and when you are walking in step with, uh, with God. And these are gifts that God can give you, that we can be peace-loving. We all love peace. And, and just to be clear, clear, this isn't just peacekeeping, keeping the peace at any cost, just going along to get along, but like loving peace, expanding God's kingdom. Like we love it when people are walking in harmony with God and in their inner life and in their outward relationships. Consider it. We don't talk about that word very much. And everyone wants it, but no one wants to con uh, like uh, cultivate a, a life that's considerate of others. Uh, I, I know I've said it before, if you've been around um, solid ground long enough, I would love to someday just do an exercise in a grocery store where people drove their grocery carts like they drive their cars. But it's so much easier when you're in your car, that's just a person in your way. It's not a real human being. Like, what if we cultivated a life that was considerate, just plain manners, um, submissive? I'm sure if you were paying attention when we're reading this list of, of, of qualities that God wants us to cultivate and can cultivate in us, when you saw submissive, you're like, ooh, I don't know about that one. To make it even worse, some translations of the Bible uh, say it compliant. It lists it as compliant. And like you can jump to all kinds of conclusions about that word, but what that word means is it's it's a military term where a soldier hears orders, thinks about them, and says that makes sense and I'm going to act on it and comply, not, not a mindless uh, obedience. Um, and when we read through these uh, like peace-loving, considerate, compliant, uh, because of our wiring, we can think, oh, that's, those are really nice words, but that doesn't work in the real world. You can't be considerate of everybody. That's naive, that's clueless, because uh, we live in a cynical age. But just by the way, let's just remember who's writing this. James, who is experiencing tough times. 
he's experiencing trying to work out that uh, how to how to how to care for the poor in his community because they've been ostracized from Jewish temple worship. They're looked down upon by the Romans that are that are the oppressive force, especially in Jerusalem, uh, where they're they're under the, the the thumb of the Roman Empire. And in the context of this, he's saying like, okay, this is the way forward to be peace loving, to be compliant, to be considerate, like. Those things, they come at great personal cost. And, and by the way, this is how Jesus lived. And he gave his life, even though he lived a perfect, perfect life. He, he paid the ultimate price, suffering. Like this is hard. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is the way we change the world. And it's not naive. It's just really hard. I, I, uh, done an experiment over the past couple weeks where I've, I, I wore this t-shirt that I found at Target where it, it just says, be kind. And I, I had no agenda. I just wanted to see what people did if they reacted to it. And people do react to it. And I'm so surprised that people are like, oh, get that like touchy-feely stuff. Give me, a, give me like something that's in your face because that's what our world like values. We don't value the word submissive, submissive to the authority of God. I remember when we did our, our seminar, you know, before the pandemic, if you can remember this, we did a, a, a discussion at our church called Peace in a Broken World. And it, the, the idea behind it is peace is, is the goal. Everyone agrees that that's the goal. And, and we disagree on how we, how we get there. So we had Pastor Ryan advocate for a peace position. And we had Pastor Todd Retberg advocate for more of a just war, um, just war position. And they had a conversation, a, a passionate conversation about it. And they, they didn't persuade, one didn't persuade the other. They still had their, their position. And at the end, they hugged. At the end, they shook hands. And I remember some of the comments of people going like, whoa, that was disorienting. I, I thought sparks were going to fly. I thought, um, I thought like, there was going to be yelling. I wanted to see the good stuff. But that wasn't the point. Like they were trying to, to make peace with each other. They were trying to engage in a passionate uh, discussion but still love each other. Like they were submissive to the main thing, which is following Jesus and maintaining unity in the church. And I was so proud of them and how they conducted themselves in that. But we live in a world that is like, mm, no, we, we don't value biblical, biblical wisdom. Uh, James, in, in the next part of the verses we just read, talks about good fruit, impartial and sincere. Like, to be impartial, to be sincere. Uh, these ideas are wrapped up in the, the concept of integrity, being the same as you are in public as you are in private. You know, we don't see that a lot these days. The word integrity, it's not listed here in that verse, but it comes from the word integer, a whole number. It's not fractured. And, you know, a prayer James would have prayed every day is from the book of Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel, that the Lord your God is one. God, the God that created all of this. The God that invites us to follow him towards, uh, towards wholeness. God is one. That's the life that we're called to live. Not fractured, not different, not covering our tracks. Like, that's what we can expect from our lead. We, sh we should look for in leaders but also in our lives. 
like that we're sincere. We're not clearly doing things for our own personal gain. And I love that last line, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. And I love that term peacemaker. I think I said it a couple minutes ago. It's not passive. Like this is something that costs us greatly. It's uncomfortable. <laughs> it's, it's not easy. But there's a promise there that we will reap a harvest of righteousness, of right living, of the, the benefit we get is so much better than doing things the way the world does it and backbiting and getting ahead, stepping on other people to get ahead, uh, victory at any cost. Like a church that, that values peace. Imagine that in our own, in our own um, context. Like the world needs this. We need to be a part of it. To, to know that we're going to a place where, where there's whole people. When we're broken, they, they know the path towards wholeness. And this, this word that, that James is using, this peacemaker word, there's a, a very, very strong connection to a movement going on, in the, especially in Jerusalem, during the ancient Roman times. There were these zealots, and there were these violent revolts against Rome. And these people saying, okay, we've got to take the kingdom back by force. And they were assassinating Roman soldiers. And James, is he knows about this. And he's saying, no, no, no. Like the way forward isn't the zealot path. It's peacemaking. And it's anything but passive. And James was right. Like those, those revolts, uh, that, that violence led to other violence. And they were brutally crushed. And Jerusalem was destroyed James was right. He's saying hey, the wise way to go forward. There's a there's a third way. We don't just collaborate with our with our oppressors, and right now we don't need to to go the zealot way either. So we have a, you know we have all kinds of philosophical debates, and I'm honing in on this peacemaking here. Um, and I know we have veterans in our church. We have uh, a conversation about this going on at the global level about how to make peace. But I, I just want us to, to, to give us like a, a starting point that everyone can agree on. What if we were intentional about making peace in our personal relationships? Our words can do violence. Our actions or our lack of words can do violence. What we, how we interact online can be violence. Like, do we make peace? When we, when we go up to a, a difficult situation that feels like a dumpster fire, do we bring water to that conversation or do we bring gasoline? And we need people around us and God wants to make us into the kind of person that can bring wisdom to those conversations make us into the kinds of people that bring water to a fire instead of gasoline. And God doesn't want us to be people who just uh, have peace at any cost. Like, that's not the way forward either. That's not wisdom. We've seen in history that that hasn't worked out either. Uh, But just trying to destroy our enemy in conversation um, or just appease them, those those two... polar opposites, they don't uh, work. James is calling us to a deeper way 
of living and a deeper way of relating to ourselves and to God. So what do we do with all this? Like, obviously, we're called to seek God's wisdom, God's way, to be patient. Becoming, becoming a wise person, it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not about like, a, and this is my generation speaking a little bit, but it's not about developing a platform or a following or a million likes on your YouTube channel. Like this is about character and becoming the kind of person that admits when, because we will mess up, but when we do, there's nothing to hide. We say, this is who I am. I'm a work in progress. Because in my experience, that actually builds trust with the people that we work, we live with and work with and relate to. Uh, it doesn't, I've never seen when someone's uh, ahead of the game and they say, hey, hey, I need help. Like, because really if we're following Jesus, we actually have nothing to hide. We've already come clean saying that I'm imperfect. And when I step outside of God's grace, I'm capable of anything. Like, what do I have to lose? I have nothing to lose and I have nothing to hide. So our challenge is, is to create peace. And I, I wanna share these, uh, these suggestions as, as we seek biblical wisdom and seek to become wise people that are, that are creating peace in the world. There's this great book. You're gonna hear more about this book if you're around solid ground in the next coming months. The, it's called uh, Christians in an Age of Outrage by Ed Stetzer. And um, I'm borrowing his suggestions on how to create a climate of peace. And he was writing this book in 2018, but it's, I think it's even more true today. But this week as you're going about your week, uh, as you're online, as you're uh, going about your everyday walking around and working, remember that people are watching you. Remember, especially, especially those who aren't Christians, and if they know you're a Jesus follower, they're watching you. They're watching and, and reading what you're writing. And they're seeing if your life matches up to the words that you're saying. Uh, if you're not a Jesus follower, you get to, to step back. But I want to I invite you uh, to not just say, okay, I think these people are, are matching their words. I want to invite you to try some of this stuff too. Uh, you can start right now creating a climate of peace. Uh, choosing, especially with social media, choose investment over consumption. I noticed, especially about nine months ago, I would just scroll on Instagram, scroll on Facebook, and I was consuming things from all the people I follow, and I was consuming, and I wasn't contributing. And I was like, oh my goodness, like, I'm, there's these, yeah, whatever, a couple hundred people in my life that are somehow in my network. And I'm spending all this time uh, consuming what they're saying. Like, I'm not investing in any of these people. And I started a, a new habit. Like, when I get on, I want to invest in someone's life and say, thank you for posting with that. Or I have a question about that. Or even if I disagree with them, just to say something privately to them sometimes. Like, hey, I really appreciate you. Or, um, and instead of just mindlessly getting on and just consuming and consuming, like if I get on one of those social media platforms, it's going to be on purpose and not just mindless. And when I'm on there, see people, not just av avatars. Like there's a real person uh, attached to those ideas that are coming and they may trigger you. They may make you so angry what they said, 
But it, instead of just merely unfriending them, like say, like, no, that's a person made in the image of God. I may disagree with them, but you know what? I'm going to pray for them first. I'm going to remind myself of three good things about that person. And I already gave you one. They're made in the image of God. Uh, but to see people and not just avatars, avatars, and to make grace our default mode, everybody has a bad day. Everybody has stuff going on in their life. There's layers of stuff. And don't, don't just uh, immediately, like James is talking about, jump to these like envy, jump to these um, ugh, uh, reducing that person, that kind of posture that's like, oh, that person's in my way. I want to get them out of my way. Like, No, make grace the default mode. We need God's help to do that. And to resist the urge to fight every battle. Yes. There are things that we speak to, but it's not our job to fix the whole world. Like we don't need to have a Messiah complex. Um, and this one takes some, this is the final suggestion, but to value authority over freedom. Now, don't worry. I'm going to explain what Ed means by that. Uh, here's a quote from his book. He says, just because we can say something doesn't mean that we should. There are ways of confronting abuses of power and I'm not condoning a mindless obedience, but Christians need to understand that the best place for difficult conversations is not usually online. Like we live in a crazy world. I don't have to tell you that. It's some of the reason why you're here. Like we're needing some, some, some comfort, some encouragement, but we're not alone in this. Like we can make peace, we can make the world a better place and all that stuff. I just wanna remind you, of what James said in the opening chapter of this letter. Chapter 1, verse 5. James says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Download this, print it out, or just write down that list of positive traits and ask God to give you those. Ask God to help you cultivate those traits. Your family needs it. You need it. That's a much more peaceful way of living uh, than, than most of us are currently doing. Maybe we do some of them by accident, but this week, let's ask God to help us live that way and do it on purpose. And ask God to produce that in you every single day this week and, and watch what happens. So like, that's true genius. Like, One of the things I was thinking about with the, the basketball thing, with Shaq's um, Shaquille O'Neal's guys that he looked up to that he said they could beat us any day even though we're, we're more talented and younger and faster. Like the, those players, they did have talent. They did have God-given talent, but they did something with it. And they didn't give up. They endured injuries. They endured hard times. They endured down seasons and up seasons. They didn't give up. So don't give up. We're, gonna, we're not going to get this stuff perfect all the time. Like stay in the game. And if, if you are in the place where you feel like, ah, I'm just done, I'm, I'm ready, I, I'm this close to just hitting the eject button on this stuff and just doing whatever I feel like, like reach out to us. We want to journey with you. We want to give you that bit of refreshment and encouragement. Like you can make it. Um, don't give up. So wisdom comes from above. Pray for it and persevere. Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, would you please reset our minds in this moment? 
There's some things here. Thank you for preserving the words of James. But we need you to reform our minds. Give us eyes to see this world through your eyes. Give us your wisdom, God. We need it. And we ask that you right now would go to every person that's hurting, every person that's experiencing brokenness, every person that's experiencing uh, inner turmoil right now. And would you please refresh them, remind them that they're not alone and and begin to just uh, plant these seeds of, of perseverance and peacefulness and good fruit in all of our hearts because we need your wisdom more than ever. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to remind you, uh, you can always reach out to us at sgbic.com. we love to know how you're doing. If you have any questions or comments or, or thoughts on this passage, there's a lots of different ways it could go. We'd love for, for you just to share, uh, share your thoughts. You can leave them in the comments or uh, reach out to us 24-7 at our website. And you can also leave prayer requests and praise reports there. I love going through those. So until we come back again, we'll see you. Uh, we'll be live at 10 a.m. Uh, every, every Sunday, and then our, our worship gatherings are also on YouTube as well. But until we are together again, may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine down upon you. And may the Lord give you his peace and wisdom. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, amen.